All right, with Alexandra Nolan, Nothing Else Matters is the short film. A really fantastic film. Uh, uh, really, uh, it's, it's from ESPN Films. It's from like kind of produced by from ESPN Films. Yeah, actually, it's with the ESPN Features Unit. So we're kind of another features department within ESPN. Okay, so there's like the 30 for 30 series. That's not, that, that's what it's part of or? No, actually, it's part of um, a series called SE Featured. So okay. typically those short films, when we do 30 minute specials, those will typically be for SportsCenter. Gotcha. And so what, like, so then in terms of like this, 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 the, the following this, this gentleman who has ALS, uh, Patrick, who is a basketball coach for St. John's, St. John's College High School, which is a huge, people don't know from Canada or from, or from around the world. This is basketball is huge. This is called high school basketball is is a big, gigantic thing. And he's at this elite school. He gets this diagnosis and then you kind of follow him through the season. Curious about like the, how that, the process of that occurred, like who came up, who found, who knew about Patrick, how did this idea kind of come about? Yeah, so I've always wanted to do a film on ALS, just obviously due to my personal connection. So it was always a goal of mine, finding a story of somebody that had ALS and obviously with a sports tie being working for a sports network. So um, honestly, one night I was sitting on my couch in my living room and I had Googled uh, sports coach ALS. And I usually do, I was doing that periodically, like throughout the last summer, just kind of seeing what would pop up. And probably that day, Washington Post, um, a reporter from there, wrote an article on Patrick, and it just came out that day. So it was a fairly new story that wow. had just, yeah. And like the timing of everything was yeah. very like peculiar to me. So I read the article, and just the way that um, it was Adam Kilgore that wrote it, you kind of felt a connection right away, even though it was just words. Um, and he had just recently gotten diagnosed, so immediately I sent it off to our executive producers in the department. And I said, Hey, I really think this is a great story we should pursue. It also turns out that Patrick's friend also works at ESPN, Pete Thamel, who's a reporter on college game day. So we kind of already had a slight connection there to begin with. Um, so then once the executive producers uh, said it was a great story, we should see if Patrick is interested. That's kind of how conversations went about um, to see if Patrick was interested, you know, kind of talked Patrick through what it would entail if we were to move forward, making sure he was comfortable with the whole process. Um, and that's kind of how it got started. That's a, that's amazing that, okay. So but why, why I'm just curious for people to know, why is this a personal story for you? Yeah. So I lost my mother to ALS in 2019. Um, it was probably one of the quickest cases in Pennsylvania. She passed in three months after being diagnosed um, so it was pretty, pretty rapid, pretty quick. And, um, just when I talk to people about ALS, um, not many people either, they know of it, they've heard of it from athletes that maybe have been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease is what it's also called, right? Correct. So like a lot of people think of like Steve Gleason, for example, from the saints who has ALS. And I think a lot of people don't really understand exactly what the disease is and how it does take a toll on the body and what really goes on behind the scenes. So, living through it personally, I kind of wanted to draw some awareness to it. Um, and it's just, like I said, a goal of mine to kind of help somebody share their ALS story. And lo and behold, we, we found Patrick's and we were able to help him share the story. So I'm assuming you had to act fast, uh, and for many reasons, but when you heard, heard about this, you had the connection with, uh, Patrick. So when did you, did you like meet him in person or did you meet him on the phone or a zoom chat to kind of discuss the documentary with him? 
Yeah. First it was a phone call. Just again, just kind of walk him through to see like, Hey, would you want to meet up and continue this conversation? Cause obviously meeting in person, explaining things more is better. So you can kind of get a feel of somebody's body language and able to explain things better. So once Patrick was willing to meet us in person, Pete and I actually drove up to Boston and we had dinner with him. Um, this was like a day after he had one of his treatments because at the early stage of, of his diagnosis, Patrick was actually flying from DC to Boston at Mass General to get treatment done. So we kind of timed it up where, hey, let's meet for dinner and let's continue this conversation of, do you still want to do this project? You know, what's your comfort levels? And I think just kind of meeting in person, sharing my personal experience, I think kind of already started building that trust of she kind of gets it. She's been through it. She understands it. And I think, um, again, once we kind of found out from the doctor, because we went up there to interview that Patrick was given a year diagnosis. And obviously, it is a year diagnosis, but with ALS, you really don't know. There's no way of knowing how quickly it will progress. It really is a, you kind of have to live through it and see what happens. So we did know we have to act fast, but it was also just kind of wait and see to see how his body was going to respond to treatment. So, and then, so that he decides to coach, coach this high school basketball team, which is, um, which is amazing and crazy at the same time. Right. So and so that's sort of the, his his journey, and then that's his that's his ther- that's his therapy, that's his healing process. That's sort of the theme of your film, I guess, right? Yeah, you know, for Patrick, you could tell right away that basketball is, like he says, his best medicine. It is his world, and I think um, he knew that ALS was not going to stop him from doing what he loved. And I think he was in a position where I'm not going to give up on these boys. You know, being in St. John's, it is the most competitive league in the United States in terms of high school basketball. So we had top recruits on his team. And I think he knew knowing the team that he had, this was the best chance to have the best team moving forward. And, uh, he gave it his best shot and, um, I won't give away the ending of the film, but, um, it was an incredible ending for him and the team and everybody else. Yeah. (laughs) And so then his, his father, uh, you said you alluded in the beginning of the film, his father passed away from ALS. So he has context on, on many different levels of what's going to happen to him, I guess. Right. That's right. So Patrick, there's two cases of ALS. There's um, the sporadic where there's no family connection. It's just kind of a, a weird um, just kind of happens to your body. And then there is a familial ALS where you have the gene and Patrick does carry the SOD one gene, which is probably one of the most common ALS genes out there from a family gene perspective. So his father did it and he had 10 other family members as they, as they can tell from the gene and the family tree um, that have passed from this disease. So unfortunately this family has been through so much um, devastation with this particular disease. So did you, so this, did you know right from the beginning when you started filming that this was going to be a 22 minute kind of film, like for a half hour kind of show on ESPN? No, originally um, we didn't know how long it was going to be. The first goal was to do probably a 10 to 12 minute piece. Um, And then I think once we started peeling back some layers, once we kind of started to see like, at one point they were undefeated. So I think it was like, 12 or 13 and 0 where I was like, holy crap, like they could the whole season. They're they nationally could... ranked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think once we kind of, I think it was like January, February of 2023, we kind of realized, I think we should continue to follow them and, and see what happens. Gotcha. And it's great to, for, I'm sure that it's not that simple, but it's, it's great for ESPN to put the resources in just mm-hmm. to make this kind of 20, 20 minute film or even a 12 minute film at the time. Like that's pretty amazing, incredible that they did that. 
Yeah, you know, I think it just, again, I think um, ESPN, Jimmy Patero, all the other execs have tried to reinforce that storytelling. We still want to be at the top of that ladder. We still want to tell the best stories out there. And if there is a story that requires more resources and more access, um, they want to put our best foot forward and make sure that we have, as producers, we have the resources to do that, which was great. Obviously, you know that this there's a there's there, this could have been a feature film because you kind of center on him, right? So, in terms of storytelling, like he's the focal point, he's the main character. You don't really get into the to the to his to his athletes to the to to, to the team to the, to the to the players how they're feeling emotionally, what they're experiencing. His also his you had some interviews with his family members, of course, but you don't really dive deep dig deep into into those kind of storylines. Which I'm assuming, if you do, or if you did, like you did, this is a this is an amazing feature film. Yeah, I think if we had maybe an hour to work with, yeah, definitely would have dove in because there definitely is um, some more storylines, like in terms of like his sister and what the future holds for her, um, in terms of his girlfriend, in terms yeah. of his best friends, um, his teammates, um, his coaches. Um, you know, one of his players now is actually just committed to Syracuse. Um, so cool. there's, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of things, but I think knowing that we only had a short period of time, yeah. obviously the best route was to focus on Patrick. Oh, of course, hundred percent. I'm just kind of alluding that, that there's like, it makes you want, when you're watching this film, it's like, it, it's making you want to know more about Tim and the players and what they experience as well. Right. So, which is a good thing, right. for the film. So. Yeah. Hey, if you want to send an email, maybe we'll do a follow-up. <laughs> if you want to know more, maybe we convince them. Yeah. yeah. But it's but the 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 structure and the kind of the plot, uh, the storyline is it's showing him through the season, which is a great kind of concept, I guess, right? Because you know, you don't you don't have you're not writing the ending, right? Because the ending is gonna be what it is, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, we tried to check in with him once a month when we went down there in terms of filming, mm-hmm. um, hoping that the audience could see the progression of the disease and also the progression of the season. Um, I think there was obviously more game action that could have been in the film if we had more time. Mm-hmm. There's like snippets of like the regular season. I think, again, if we had more time, there was obviously more mic'd up footage, more game moments of that sort. But I think obviously the bread and butter of the true Cinderella ending was obviously the WCAC tournament at the very end. 100%. Did you Were you working on other projects while you were working on this film? I was. Um, I was also doing stuff for college game day because we were still in the football season. So uh, definitely was an interesting challenge, you know, trying to stay in touch with Patrick and the team. Also doing stuff, um, again, for college football playoffs. So like TCU at that time uh, was getting ready to play in the national championship. So doing some stuff for them, not as a bigger scale, but just helping out with other shows um, just because it is a busy time at ESPN. That's the bread and butter, right? Football, the NFL and college. That is right. Um, that is the king of sport over at ESPN. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's while well, you want, you can turn on ESPN. Well, I'm Canadian, so I don't have it. But basically, you turn on ESPN uh, when I'm always in the States. It's like that's all they're talking about is, fo- is, is, is football all day long. Right. So that's right. And this is why. Also, yeah. And this was a treat because it wasn't football. Right. It was yeah. a break. No. Yeah. It was a break from something different. And I think. Um, people that did watch at least the short version on sports center. I think it was something um, different that I think when people watch a chance for our viewers, something that was probably unique and, and special. And I don't know if you caught the live 
reaction of Hannah Storm was one of the anchors when the short film had aired. Um, and you could actually see the reaction of her face, like, cause they don't normally watch the pieces when it airs. So sure. you're watching their live reaction when they're coming out. And you could tell that she was at first, she wasn't talking. And I was like, Oh, she's going to talk. Cause I'm watching this go down. And then you could see the emotion on her face of what did we just watch? Um, that was incredible. You know, how this man has been going through the season while um, coaching while battling ALS. Yeah. And just to give people context too, college game day on ESPN is a gigantic show. It's one of your flagship, one of the flagship shows. So I'm assuming that that was your day job while you're kind of working this as a kind of mood lighting or kind of like creative or whatever you want to call it. Second job gig, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like most of my energy was into this film, but there was a couple of times where I, I get called up to bat, if you will, or, Hey, we need you to pitch in and do this uh, piece with Sonny Dykes or, Hey, we need you to pitch in and do this thing on, um, for Old Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually did a shorter version even for college game day, um, just to make sure that that got some love as well. So who's like, so you, you, on the I, um, film for everybody, you had two credited TPs, but what's the process when you're going out to shoot because you got some pretty intimate moments you have like when he's at the he's like he's even doing his exercises you have when uh with his with his therapist uh you also have when he's at the when he's in the doctor's office you have the, the the obviously the basketball games there's a lot going on i'm just curious about the process of like what kind of crew you had kind of shooting this film mm-hmm. um so honestly um any of the intimate scenes were just one camera Obviously, we felt like because it was such an intimate moment, the the smaller footprint, in my opinion, the better, because sometimes I think if we're kind of tucked away somewhere, Patrick sometimes forgets that we're even there. And I think that's that's when you kind of see the real emotion come out, where if we were like four cameras and we're sticking a camera in his face, I think the natural instinct, right, is to just claim up and like, I don't want to talk. And sometimes even in the open, when he was outside on the porch, Originally, we were up close to him and nothing was really happening. So I told the camera crew, all right, why don't we give him some space? We'll we'll circle back in like 20 minutes. But I still had his mic on. So I was listening. And as soon as I heard the conversation go down, I said, guys, we got to circle back and go outside again because he's starting to talk. And he didn't really see us. And I think that's some of the moments where um, he didn't really feel the pressure of the cameras. But mostly it was just one camera and just trusting we work with a lot of great crews out there and i think when we get projects like this we know certain dps have like a sensitivity level or they know how to approach a subject like this yeah. and i think it's important choosing a crew that kind of knows how to approach it um i know like you said some of the shots with the exercise getting the framing where you could really feel the emotion of yeah. patrick's face when he's struggling to move his leg or struggling to move his arm um if you miss those moments i do feel like you do miss parts of what he's going through and the lighting is not the, the greatest, but it's more about like the meaning that like it's like because you're in this secluded room and you're at this home, like it's yeah. not going to be fantastic. But then you're just you're trying to get the 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 best you could possibly can in kind of these intimate moments, I guess. Right. Yeah. And to that point. So we did a, our first we tried doing a first main interview with him in the beginning where we did have more cameras and more lights on him. That was when he was at his house um, back in November before. Yeah. He moved. And he really had a hard time opening up. And I don't know if it was, there was too many people in the room. We had a lot of lights in his face. There was just a lot of factors going on. So when we tried the main interview setup again in January, to your point, the lighting is not the greatest interview setup, 
But what we did was uh, very minimal lighting. I was the only person in the room. We had all the camera crew in another room this time. And they were just focal, doing the focal checking with the remote so that there was nobody else in the room, just me and him. And I think it just kind of worked out better because he felt more comfortable. It was just kind of a more of a conversation instead of a bunch of camera crews, audio people in the room like we tried the first time. Yeah. And then you got like some great footage you got for the the... This is this could be a whole film itself, but the Gonzaga game, where like, like you got the halftime speech, right? Like it's almost like sports cliche in a sense, where you like they're down at the half and it's like they're not feeling good, and the coach comes in and gives them a, a speech, and then and then they win like at the buzzer, like a last like the last second, uh, like and it's just like it's it's a it's beautiful poetry, like the way that you, know, you kind of shot all those sequences. Yeah, he um gosh, thinking back to that game, he was not happy. I mean, he was he was pissed because Gonzaga is their biggest rival. Um, every time they play them during that um season and even just like years prior, he even mentioned in his interview, which didn't make the piece, obviously, but just talking about how much they hate Gonzaga and yeah. how when they play them, it's a bloodbath. So um <laughs> just just physically being in that room when he was trying to get them to like let's go, um, I was kind of like, okay, he's like there was moments where um, you didn't really see the ALS. Like he was totally a different person when he was really getting their guys to light a fire under them. But yeah, it was a great game. And again, we got lucky in that perspective where we had a second camera that time following game action, just because we knew the importance of that game. And, you know, obviously we needed some cutaway shots of the actual. And they won, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was actually quite nervous. Like I was actually clinching my necklace and I'm like, please, please. Like I, you know, obviously I have to watch the cameras, but at the same time, it's hard for me to not watch the game because I'm so close now to the subject and I want him to win, team to win. Yeah. I guess you can't be journalistic in that moment, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, all I could do was making sure the cameras were in the right positions, making sure everybody knew what to capture and then just kind of have to watch like everybody else to see what was going to happen. Yeah. Because it gave you everything you wanted as a storyteller. Like they're behind. He's that you just alluded that he you he forgot. Like it's almost like his conscious or his body forgot that he he had this disease. Where like it's because he's so focused. Like I'm sure the only thing on his brain and his soul is this game, is this moment, is what's happening. He for, probably forgot about that he even had it. Right. Yeah, I, I think um, your mental state is so big with a disease like this, um, because I think you can pretend and tell yourself, I don't have it, or I feel better, or I don't even realize, like, I know there was a couple shots where I would show Patrick, hey, look at you coaching on the sideline. And he was he would tell me, oh, I can't believe I'm moving my arm like this. Like, he wouldn't even realize that he'd still be able to move his arms like that. And seeing him do that, I think he was like, wow, I can't believe I'm still able to have function like that um but yeah it was great and obviously i couldn't cheer right because that's journalistically you're, you can't really uh do that yeah. type of stuff so even though when i when the buzzer beater shot and i you know in my head i was like cheering but obviously i can't show the the reaction because obviously that would not be good but it's a good story even if they say with 0.6 seconds left and they, they get this miracle shot off and they lose it's still if there's a story right there's it's still kind of a it's still I know you want him to win but at the same time it's like there there's something always there no matter what so yeah if they had lost that game like I think we still would have done yeah. in my, obviously I don't have the final say but I think we still would have done the of film course you would have. yeah yeah there's there was so much there um material wise and I think it would have a different ending and I think perspective like instead of winning it all 
now you probably really are upset because this could be his last time coaching. He didn't win. So it definitely would have changed the mood um, for sure at the end. These players are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. You can kind of tell like this, 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 this whole journey, like with him and it's, it's an amazing, that's what I mean. Like you just like, you're so curious, like, cause a lot of these players come from so many different backgrounds, so many different cultures, so many different uh, experiences. And then him, them experiencing this, with him is just it's 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 amazing yeah i think in particular the one player we talked to malik um he's actually gonna be playing at harvard next year um or this upcoming season uh, upcoming season that's amazing yeah Yeah. um i think he will um i don't think he'll forget a a moment or a second of what happened and i think for something like that i think let's say they are facing adversity their freshman year yeah they'll probably think back to that season and if they're struggling like okay think of Patrick, what he went through and probably able to push through, you know, maybe what they're going to be going through their freshman yeah. year. There's like a, I'm give ESPN the, the idea, like in 10 years from now, or even like to see where all these players are at, like where, where, cause I, obviously nobody's going to like, it's very rare that one of these guys are going to go pro. Right. Because it's just, it's like, it's like, you know, but I'm saying that like it could happen, but I'm saying that like the odds are that it's very tough to be to play in the NBA. Like it's like, it's, it's like, it's an international game now. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like really, I'm not saying that they could, I'm just saying that a lot of the, what I'm trying to get the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of these players are going to go on to, to careers or wherever it is in business or, or whatever, you know, medicine, whatever it is, they're going to, they're going to have lives and I'm be curious to see where their lives ahead. So. Yeah. Honestly though, I wouldn't be surprised if Donnie Freeman um, gets a shot at the NBA. I'm sure um, he will. Yeah. There's a slight, if, if I had to guess on any yeah, if I had to guess on anybody, that'd be the one player I'd put some I'd put some uh some pets on. I love the black and white shot too at the end of the film that you that's that's a great editorial move where you like the last shot of the film is him kind of the black and white shot. Like it's just him in a nutshell, who he is, I guess, right? Yeah, and we got lucky. There was a lot of photographers, still photographers at that game. Um, and it was actually a photo that we shared with the team. And once we saw it, it, it kind of felt like the right ender shot. Like everybody was together. Patrick was smiling. It kind of encapsulates that moment. Obviously, we got it on film, but I think the photo, is it just speaks volumes to the brotherhood and the family that kind of everybody was talking about, like rallying around Patrick. And whose idea was to show the the have the the players kind of chat during the during the credits? Oh, that was me. So originally, um, and this did not make the film. I had asked the players to say a message to Patrick, and I I told the players send me a video uh, to to coach Pat O'Connor, the assistant. He's going to send it to me. I'm going to put them together on a Vimeo, and then we're going to show Patrick during the main interview. I just kind of wanted to see the reaction that he was going to that he was going to get of hearing all of his players knowing the impact that he's had on them. And when we showed it in the interview on an iPad, there really wasn't, he didn't really, couldn't really say much. I think he was more speechless. So it didn't really play that well in the interview as I kind of hoped, but the messages were great. And I really thought they were really raw and um, personalized. So we thought, why not put them in the credits so that the audience can really see, because we didn't really have a chance to hear from a lot of them during the film. That was kind of like the one chance for people to really understand the impact that he had on those players. Yeah, it's a great film. And congratulations. I'm sure you're you're going to be doing many of, of these these kind of sports documentaries in the future. What, I'm so curious because it's like I'm a big sports fan and uh, and kind of a nerd sports nerd fan, played, played the game. And 
I'm curious, like there seems to be this renaissance of sports documentaries in the last like five, six years. Yes. You know, do you know, do you, what would, do you have like a, a theory of why? Honestly, and I don't, again, just my theory, I don't know if it's right. I feel like ever since COVID, we were all trapped in our homes. Yeah. Everybody was consuming media and like the last dance, for example, like everybody was. The Jordan documentary, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Give me something to watch. And I feel like we still are climbing, like it hasn't broke yet. Like the, we're still climbing the ladder of people want content. And I think also content was being pushed out so quickly during COVID that the expectation now is, okay, what's the next thing to watch? Okay. Like, especially Netflix, like they churn out documentaries, sports documentaries all the time. And I think everybody, ESPN, Netflix, Fox, like everybody's trying to get a piece of the pie now of what's the next sports film, like who's in conversations. So I think it's going to be like this for quite some time. I don't see an end of people wanting to make sports films and people wanting to watch them. Yeah, well, there's 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 like this this obviously a human story like this story like you just did, and then also there's that nostalgia factor where like the last dance where I'm old enough, I grew up in the '90s, I saw Jordan, I read his books, so then I kind of had context of what they were doing. But it's like, but I but I got all I got back in the '90s, right? So when I was watching the film, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember where I was when <laughs> this game took this this game happened and. And it's like, and then re, that you know what I mean. There's that aspect too, but also for the new generation who gets to watch the last dance and like, oh my god, this is this 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 actually happened. That's amazing, right? So, yeah, I I remember bits and pieces. So obviously, I'm younger and I probably yeah. don't know much, <laughs> but just seeing all the behind the scenes um, and just from a filmmaker's perspective, wherever that footage was sitting, and then somebody finally was like, oh, let's do something with it. I mean, I'm sure there's probably. You know the ESPN server. Um, we have tons of tapes in in our tape vault. We actually just did a piece on Lee Corso that just aired last Saturday, where we were in the tape vault filming a scene, and I, that was my first time in that room and seeing the amount of tapes and the film. I'm thinking to myself, there has to be something in here that like nobody like knows about, or maybe yeah. we haven't seen. So that that already got my um, wheels turning about you know checking out the the tape vault to see what else is in there. Oh my God. There's like, they, you guys have documented everything right since the 1980s. So yeah. Yeah. There has to be something. There's all these little nuggets, like these little stories that are just like kind of golden. Right. So agreed. And well, they like, cause when, cause I remember when they did the ESPN 30 for 30, that's when they had like 30 stories. They had the 30 year anniversary. And then yes. you guys had all these really great documentaries and you had these amazing filmmakers that, that kind of did it. And that was kind of the seed that I saw. It was like, people want more of this. And then, of course, the competitors are like, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do our, our bad boys kind of documentary. We'll do our whatever. Docu we'll, 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 like, we'll mask it as like a, as, a, as an ESPN film, even though it's not. That's what they were doing. <laughs> and uh, and so then, yeah, then the competition began. And then you can tell that, that there's more demand for it, I guess, right? Yeah. I, again, like, I, I think you know, you would think, oh, people would get sick of it, but at sports is just, it hits everything. It hits the emotions. It hits the, the crying. You think you smile kind of like Jimmy Valvano's speech, make somebody thinks, make somebody smile, make somebody cry. It hits, it hits all the emotions that I think everybody's looking for right now. Um, and there's still a lot of stories out there that I think are waiting to be told. And hopefully um... someone should do a story about the Buffalo Bills last year, even though they didn't win, but they had a crazy year. Yes, they did. From like mass shootings to Demar Hamlin to they had they had, they had like I think they had three uh, blizzards. They got mm -hmm. stuck in Chicago on Christmas. Like there's a there's a great documentary right there. 
Yeah, that's right. I think um I think actually some people passed away during the blizzard. There was there was some yeah. tragedy. And then yeah. the, the Knox, their tight end, or his brother died suddenly. That's right. Right. And like just the yeah, there's there's a great documentary about about that season. Of course, if they won the Super Bowl, it would have been even more. Bills Mafia, of course. And so I'm being I'm biased because I'm a I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. So I was gonna say you yeah. sound like you should go to a network and pitch that idea and you can be a producer. Yeah, well, yeah, I have lots of ideas for, for for sports and stuff like that. I have a really fantastic podcast when I when I when I move on from this uh, from this venture, uh, what I'm doing now. Like, I think it's a golden podcast, but that's just me. So, um, so you so you work at ESPN now, but you did you also you used to used to work for HBO for Hard Knocks. You did you did a season of Hard Knocks. Am I correct? So- yeah. So right out of college, I worked at NFL films for four years. I got to work on hard knocks when I was there. Um, again, getting an inside view of how that show works, the amount of footage that we all have to go through and log and it's in real time. So like when I was on hard knocks, um, tapes would come in every day and we're going through stuff in real time and we're logging it. And, you know, we're having meetings of, Hey, I just saw this moment on this tape. This could be a storyline call the director out in the field and tell them, Hey, maybe we should sit this player down and ask questions about something that we just saw on a tape a couple hours ago. So everybody's in constant communication. Yeah. And the, the amount of hours, I mean, everybody was there late almost every night, just trying to get the show out. What the season did you do? What, what team? Uh, I did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Rams. So the, oh is that with the Rams and the, in the, the Chargers? When Jeff. Yes. Uh, no, uh, it was when Jeff, um, why am I blanking on his last name? Jeff Fisher. Jeff was Fisher. Coach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's when we, they just drafted Jared Goff actually. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. That season. And then I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm blanking on one other season, but I was on it for three years. So it was a pleasure. I, I do uh, enjoy that show. I was obviously watching the New York Jets this year, kind of curious to see how they were going to do it with Rogers. Um, or four plays in, right? Poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, I, I wouldn't come on. Come on. There's a lot of poor people. <laughs> just because like he, yeah. I know like people have like feelings about him as a player, but for yeah. somebody to like just go on a team and then no, I know like 75 seconds and then the season's over for him was kind of do you have a theory as a person who works in sports that 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 do you believe that some sleep franchises are just snake bitten? Like uh like I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs are snake bitten, uh Cleveland Browns are snake bitten. Uh, the New York Jets, even though they got a Super Bowl, they 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 seem to have a lot of bad luck. Yeah, I don't know what Snake Ben. I think what first came to my mind was the whole turf debate. Like, I feel like a lot of players have been talking about that for a while, and nothing's really been happening about the artificial turf and the real turf. And yeah. I think there definitely is something a correlation there where you did see a lot of. I think it was actually there was a conversation during the Super Bowl with when it was out in Arizona when all the players were tripping and getting hurt, and it was because of the grass. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, the fact that this is all happening and that it's just like kind of one small factor can kind of change the game in that perspective. You don't but, believe that there's like bad karma that some the teams just have like like a bad kind of like they just they, there's something there's something that doesn't not, the luck never goes their way. I don't, but maybe if I did some more research, I could yeah. be persuaded. <laughs> there's another there's another idea for for a film. So yeah. <laughs> no, because I, I I swear, like 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 I, there's certain teams that just have the worst luck. Like like I I it's, I don't even you can't even maybe it's just the matter of odds, and then it will come their way eventually. But it's just like it's just it's it boggles the mind that they spend. Of course, ESPN spending millions of dollars on this, like promoting Aaron Rodgers, and like 
and like going to this big, big, um, the, the big team, the New York Jets, and four plays in, he gets hurt, right? Like tears his ACL. Like what? What are the odds of that? Like that's just the craziest thing in the world. Yeah, and I just thought it was an ankle injury to be honest. When I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, he's fine." And then when I saw them, the boot coming on, everything else, I'm like, "Oh, this is definitely more than an ankle injury." Um, and then but, they still won the game. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Right? We'll see if Zach Wilson can uh, pull the team together. Yeah. As we're doing this podcast, I think they're playing the Patriots, and uh, everybody's giving up on them. So there's there's a whole new story that that could happen, right? So. But think, I know that people people are going to do a documentary. People are documenting crews following this team for the year, They're like kind of, kind of getting a story out of it. And then four plays in, he gets hurt too. There's all these other side aspects to it, right? So, Yeah, and their in-house team does a lot of great documentaries. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, when the season's over, the in-house team releases something and maybe we see something where, you know, we see Wilson stepping up even more than we're not seeing on TV or Rogers coming back maybe to rehab. I don't know. I'll be curious to see if they're capturing any of that. Yeah. So you're, so you grew up like, I, I know I'm, I'm taking more time than I should, but it's okay. uh, are you, were you, do you grow up a sports fan? Like, is that like, was sports always part of your life? Yeah. Um, grew up loving sports, grew up playing sports. I was, I guess the tomboy, if you will, uh, when I was little, um, then um, when I got into high school, still playing sports, but then uh, started getting more into film and video. Um, and then kind of how I got my career started was uh, I thought I wanted to be a sports trainer um, because I was always playing sports around sports. Never saw any females uh, operating cameras or doing any directing work. You know, I always saw Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, the big the big guys, never any females. Um, and my dad was actually the one that pushed me to go to school for film because he knew how much I liked doing it on the side as a hobby. Um, so all the credit to him for, for helping me uh, pursue that because I honestly didn't think it was possible for females. That's amazing. Uh, we just showed a film uh, a few years back about, um, about female referees, like trying to get, and they were showing like the, the, the origin stories of how referees become and get in hmm. the NFL. And it was like, it was showed at our festival and, uh, and it got, it was interesting because it got some really interesting reactions. And I, I don't know, it's not a coincidence. I don't know if it's coincidence or not. But this, this documentary did very well in the festival circuit. And all of a sudden, next year, you saw a lot of, you, for the first time ever, you saw female referees. So uh -huh. there's a power to these documentaries. There's a power to the knowledge and like kind of the, getting the information out and telling stories like you're telling that, that basically that people don't know about and kind of being inspired by this person and also kind of being educated as well. So. Yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing that. It's amazing. I didn't know that there was. What was the film called on the? I can send you the. the, the I could send you. The, I, we watched a lot of film. I apologize because it was like. No, it's okay. Like, it just sounds literally three and a half years ago. It was like right the last festival in person festival before COVID. So that's why I remember it. So was was Sarah Thomas a part of that group? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love her. She's great. Yeah. And they were talking just like the sexism and then like about like about it. And it was like kind of a controversial film because it was taking shots at at, at the at the powerful NFL, right? So like. No, <laughs> so you yeah, know what happens after sometimes when people do that, right? So and Sarah obviously got a shot in the Super Bowl, which was a huge deal. Yeah, uh, gigantic. She, it's huge. That's what I mean. Well, you're you're like a trailblazer yourself too, right? Trying, you know. I I feel like um, anybody that like reaches out to me on social media, it's a female immediately always answer. Um, because again, when I was that age, didn't really have anybody to talk to, um, or reach out to about, Hey, what's it like working in the industry? So I think the more females, the better, obviously it's great having a mix of male and female. Cause we all have different perspectives and viewpoints, sure. 
but I think it's nice having sometimes, um, especially like certain topics, getting a female perspective, because maybe that would change the film or of how they shoot it or need to be some storylines that you would pursue. And I'll, one, I'll leave, I'll ask you one last question and I'll, I'll I've taken too much of your time. <laughs> okay. What did, what did, uh, what did he think of the film? What did Patrick think of the film? Um, I think I wasn't there watching it with him and I wanted to be, um, since obviously he's in DC and I'm in Connecticut. Um, he was in love with it. Um, he couldn't believe the, the way it was edited together. Um, some of the reactions that we got from his players, the games, he thought we made the the kids look really good. I think he was always really concerned. Like it's really not about me. He wanted to make sure his kids were okay during the season. He wanted to make sure the kids were being portrayed properly and the team was portrayed properly, which to me was again, him, him putting the team first, it really, you know, making sure the team was in a good light. Um, but he loved it. I think he's watched it multiple times. Um, he's watched it with friends and family. Um, anytime there there's a re-air, I'll usually text him, hey, it's re-airing on this date if you want to watch it again. So that's amazing. And he's, yeah. he's coaching again. He's still coaching. Um, that's a great question. I don't know exactly the status of that right now. I do know that his assistant Pat O'Connor has taken over as head coach, yeah. but um I'm waiting to find out if Patrick is gonna remain, you know, as part I'm sure he'll remain part of the team in some capacity, like going to visit, but I don't know exactly the status of that. Um, but um he did have a scare in the ICU a couple months ago. So we're continuing to keep him in thoughts and prayers and um, donate the best that we, that we can to keep him going. Well, thank you very much for your time. Like I said, I'll keep an eye on you. I love, I watch all these, these documentary films, uh, these like ESPN and they got the ones on the untold stories on Netflix right now, but I did, we have the Disney plus and you're putting a lot of the ESPN uh, docs on Disney plus for us Canadians to watch it. So uh I'm going to keep keep an eye on you and I thank you for your, your time. I I really loved this film. I thought it was fantastic and thanks for yeah. you guys for submitting. Yeah, no, I I appreciate, you know, you guys giving the film a chance and, you know, sharing it with a lot of people. Hopefully more people get to see it and it has an impact and yeah, great time chatting with you. Great conversation. One, two, three, four, five.